up this morning. Thought this was a fun. Some of you guys are being honest. I don't. I just feel like I'm not the only one to struggle. Did you struggle this morning a little bit? A little bit. Okay, good. So I'm not the only one. I um, we we uh, had to go to a church this morning in Santa Clarita. Is that how you say Santa Clarita, California? And so thankful to your pastor that I was here tonight. Just so thankful to be able to share with you, be able to talk to you for a little bit. He said I should be done by 8:30, right? Is that okay? 8:30. 8:30 is fine. Okay, that sounds good. We our ministry. We've been reaching fatherless families. We've been actually been doing this ministry for uh, 12 years now. A little almost 12 years and what we've been doing on the side for the first several years there was something that we we, we just started building it really started with writing a devotional for teen guys or actually a book for teen guys turned into a devotional and one day I, I went and while I was at work working corporate in Jacksonville Florida I went on my break or something and I formed a nonprofit corporation on one of those websites you know you get a biz filings one of those websites and I came home and I told my wife hey I started a nonprofit today that's not the way you do it okay I learned that so I learned it's not something that's not how you do it but I learned we kind of, and so she got used to it. We kind of worked through that, and we decided that she realized it was something that was something we needed to do and to get involved in. So we've been building this ministry along the way, creating resources and all kinds of content. Uh, so we've written several books and, and created an app and all kinds of stuff. And God's really blessed along the way. So we reach fatherless families currently through four different ways. We, we went full-time last year, the beginning of January of last year. We branched out. I was a youth pastor in Florida for six years. Uh, down there, originally we're from Pennsylvania. We both grew up in Pennsylvania, but we were down in Florida, her father or my father-in-law, her father, was the pastor of our church, and was the youth pastor. And so we're serving down there, and we knew that it was time for us to to move move on and do this ministry full time. And so we're praying about how can we do that, how can we go and and, and reach families and, and try to do this ministry full time, but without me traveling around the country making my kids fatherless while I'm trying to help fatherless families. So we're like, how can we do that? And so we're praying about it, and God led us to buy a, an RV, a fifth wheel. Um, anybody you know familiar with the fifth wheel? You guys ever hear of a fifth wheel? You pull it behind the truck, and it was one of those things where. You know, we were praying about it. We were trying to decide what to do, and we knew God wanted us to do this. But we had never dreamed of living in an RV, before, to be honest with you. Um, and, you know, my wife used to watch those tiny house shows on television where would have these these little houses, and I'd walk in and see it, and I'm, I'm a big guy, and I'd be like, that looks horrible. You know what I mean? I would, it's not something I would want to live in. And But God has a sense of humor, and God had us buy this RV, and, and it's 429 square feet. It's been such a blessing to have. People tell me all the time, they're like, that's my dream, to live in an RV and travel around the country. It's not my dream, okay? It's honestly, it's not something I'm... I had had people accuse us of that whenever we were launching out for full-time in the ministry. They're like, you just want to travel the country and stuff like that in an RV. No, that's not the case. It's really not. It's been beautiful to see California and see different places. But honestly, it's it's not as easy as it looks. I'm going to be honest with you. And those RVs, they fall apart. I don't know if you've ever had one where you've driven long distances. The more you drive, the more it rattles. These things are just plastic, and they just rattle apart. And so what we are, but I'll tell you again, like I said, God has blessed. He's provided this RV for us so that we could do this ministry together as a family, travel, travel around last year we did we started a we did a 2019 hope for fathers american national Order, and last year we were in 89 churches uh, we saw 83 individuals trusting jesus as their savior it's such a blessing we spoke 160 sometimes we were in um and that included youth detention centers public schools christian schools churches conferences uh, pretty much wherever we could get in to speak the messages of hope or awareness so we spread awareness is one of the things that we do just like this tonight i really want to spread awareness with you and help you understand what's going on with this issue of fathers because it's affecting everyone in the United States. It's the number one social issue in our country, and everybody's struggling with it in one way or another. And even if you're thinking, well, it doesn't really affect me, it really does. And I'm going to show you how it does in just a moment. But we spread awareness. We also, like I said, we speak. I go in and speak in, in a variety of places. We also create unique resources. We have uh, books, like I said, we've written, devotional books for fatherless teen guys, 
for homeless teen girls, single moms. Uh, those books can be used as a small group study, a one-on-one -on -one mentoring resource. As a personal study, um, you, can, you can use those to start up a single mom ministry or even, even work one-on-one -on -one with a uh, homeless teen guy or a girl, like I said. And, and they're great resources to, to help uh, with fatherlessness or being a single mom. We also have a children's books for fatherless children, for motherless children, for orphan and foster care children. And it shows the children that it's not their fault, that God loves them and he cares about them, and there's hope through Jesus Christ. All our books are, are gospel-centered and discipleship-centered, just trying to show these individuals that it's not your fault. Now, if you're here tonight and you are from a fatherless family, you are a single mom or a grandparent raising grandkids, or you are a fatherless individual, and that includes adults that are fatherless, because a lot of times we it's hard to work through those issues. Sometimes we carry that baggage with us. Up, I have even seen, as we travel, we see uh, adults up into their senior years that are still working through issues of fatherlessness, and so don't be ashamed of that. It's it's a hard thing to work through. It really is. Through Jesus, you can overcome it. Through Jesus, your kids can succeed, and I'm here to testify that. You saw my story. I'm not a perfect person, but God brought me through it. And so that's why we create these resources. Another thing we've created is called our God is My Dad mobile app. You can download from the app or Google Play Store. On the back of the, this card here, you can see the app. You can check that out. But you can download that. You search for God is My Dad in the app or Google Play Store. And on that app, we have videos from different Christian leaders, such as, uh, we ever hear the skit guys? Did you ever hear the skit guys before? Did you ever hear the movies Courageous, War Room, Facing the Giants? We have the producer, Stephen Kendrick, on there. We have different pastors. Uh, did you ever hear Johnny Pope, who's a pastor? Um, different pastors, different ministry leaders. Telling the fatherless, hey, you can make it. You can overcome being, being fatherless. God will help you through it. We also have how-to articles, how-to videos on there. We also have a place where you can share your story. Now, that's where maybe you can really get involved, is you can share your story. Uh, we have a place on there where individuals, just anonymously, it's just their first name and their state, they share their story with other people saying, God brought me through my story of fatherlessness. This is what I went through. This is how God brought me through it. And it inspires other kids, other individuals to overcome it as well. We also have a single mom section too. Where if you were a single mom and you, you overcame it and you helped raise your kids, then you can share your story as well. We'd love to have that. We have that on our website. You can go to godismydad.com, share your story there. But definitely check out our app. If you have your phone tonight, I want to encourage you, if you want to uh, get a free God is My Dad devotional, oh, grab your phone out real fast. If you want to hop on our email list, we'd love to have you. And you can get a God is My Dad devotional, or you can find out how you can be helped, or how you can help others. So we'd love to stay in touch with you. You can follow along with our ministry. If you go to your text message app, text the number 66866. It's the word dad, not 666, okay? I'm not that type of ministry. 66866, okay? 66866. Text the word dad to it. It'll ask you for your email address, so you can opt into that. Or you can do it the old school way and sign up on the clipboard at the table. Either way, we'd love for you to join our email list and stay in touch with our ministry. And we'll give you a God is My Dad devotional. We'll stay in touch with you. But looking forward to, be, to getting to know you better. Definitely come see us at our table. So we also, let me just finish. We spread awareness, create unique resources, we speak. And then the last thing is we partner with local church. We are on what you call kind of deputation. We're doing a tour as we do it, ministering as we do it, helping people out, trying to reach fatherless families on, on the road. Road. We are raising support, and so when we do partner with churches, we, we do give back to the churches. So we have a whole online training site for churches that it helps them understand fatherless individuals or, or single moms or grandparents raising their grandkids, and then it, it shows them how they can help reach these families more effectively in the community, in their church. And also, we have a new thing we're really excited about. It's not released yet. It's called the God is My Dad Club. In the God is My Dad Club, we've recorded almost 100 videos for this already. Basically what it is, if a church partners with us, become a God is My Dad Club location across the United States because we're trying to get these all over the country. Basically what these what happens is they partner with us, we partner with them, and, and what they become is a God is my dad club location. We send them a whole kit of our
our resources, give them access to all the training, but we also have a new thing where a lot of churches don't have time uh, to start a new program. A lot of pastors tell me, they're like, not another program, because they just don't have the energy to start another program, which is understandable. I've been a pastor. It's hard to do. And so we go, and, and you can ref- we help, help the churches out with this, where you can refer single moms, grandparents raising grandkids, or fatherless individuals off to this, this website that we're developing, and they can go and they click on single mom, or click on grandparent raising grandkids, or click on fatherlessness. Then underneath that section, there's there's training videos, there's a monthly coaching call where they can ask questions, they can have a live call and talk about the things that they're dealing with. There's also an online community of other individuals that are getting through it with different coaches and stuff in there that are helping with it. And then also there's free resources, our books will be available in there, it's free to download and things like that. So it's, it's going to be a great thing for local churches to minister to the fatherless without having to start a program. So they can start a program with that alongside of it, just trying to get it jump started in one way or another. So that's what we're doing, that's the, that's the things we've created and developed. We're just trying to create stuff that we wish we would have had. Um, I wish I would have had as a fatherless individual or my for my mom or even for my grandparents to help raise me. So that's our ministry. Now, turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10 is where we're going to be based out of tonight. Luke chapter 10. We still have two hours. It's only 6.30. I'm just kidding. I'm just joking. Luke chapter 10, verses 29 through 37 in Luke chapter 10 give us, they give us great insights on how we as individuals can help people that are hurting our circle of influence. You know, I, I want to encourage you tonight to think about the people that God has strategically placed around you. Maybe it's family, he's placed friends, he's placed co-workers, all kinds of people that have been placed in your neighborhood, neighbors, different people around you, and I call it the circle of influence. And he's placed them around you for you as a Christian to minister to them. I want to ask you, have there been people in your circle of influence, and I'm not trying to make you feel horrible about yourself, but have, have there been people in your circle of influence that maybe you have not paid attention? We all have those people that that we've over the, over the years maybe we're like oh, I should have been a little more help and attention well this passage shows us we can re- overcome that and how we can help the people that have been hurting in our circle of influence tonight I want to give you three steps that we all can take to reach the hurting or as I'm here to represent fatherless families, single moms, the grandparents raising grandkids, the fatherless, motherless families, the single dads in our circle of influence. Let's look, look, look with me to Luke chapter 10, verse 29. It says, but he willing to justify himself said unto Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus answering said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and parted, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. Two very sad verses there, but verse 33 is very encouraging. It says, But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him, and went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And on the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence, and gave them to the host, and said unto him, Take care of him. And whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Which now? These three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves. He said, He that showed mercy on him. And said Jesus unto him, Go, and do thou likewise. In this passage here, we see how we can help the people that have been robbed, they've been wounded, they've been abandoned, and they've been left to live a life of destruction or left to die in our circle of influence. Let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the opportunity to be able to come here tonight. There are ministry here. I, I, I thank you for the opportunity to be able to, to, uh, to talk about this issue. I thank you for pa- Pastor Patterson, Lord. I thank you for his, just to bring us here tonight and be able to be able to share and allowing us to come here, Lord. I pray you bless him for that. I pray you bless this church. I pray that this church will be a lighthouse for you in this issue of fatherlessness in this community. I pray that you, Lord, speak through me. I pray that you rid me of myself. I pray that this will be from you tonight. God, we love you so much. We ask and pray these things to you in Jesus' name. Amen. The three steps that we all can take to reach the hurting, 
people that God has placed in our circle of influence. First thing is reject apathy. Reject apathy, okay? I was in eighth grade, and I was one of those students who was always getting in trouble. Was anybody else like that in school? No? Okay. Always getting in trouble. Any, anybody else? Be honest with my people. Okay. I see your hands. Those are my people. I was always getting in trouble in school, and that's not a good thing, kids. Don't do that. Don't follow our lead. But I was, and that's what happened. And I was in eighth grade, and in eighth grade, this, this teacher uh, said to me, he said, Sean, I need to talk to you. He says, he said to me, he looked at me, he says, you have been apathetic. And I looked at him, I said, I've never heard that word in my life. What does that even mean? He said, that means you don't care, and you don't care that you don't care. And he was talking about eighth grade science. I said, you are correct. I didn't care about eighth grade science. I really didn't. Don't follow my lead on that, because honestly, you should not follow my lead on eighth grade science. I am not the role model of that. You should do good in school. But I learned that day what it meant to be apathetic. I learned that it meant that it was wrong for me to, to have issues in my life that I should be caring about, and, and it's wrong for me to not care and not care that I didn't care. And it was sin. That's what the teacher told me. It was wrong for me to be like that. And as I grew up, I saw areas of life where I had been apathetic. I've still seen areas in my life, even to today, where I've been apathetic. I'm, I'm sure there's areas in your life where maybe you've struggled with apathy at one time or another. This issue of fatherlessness has been an area where we have been, the church, not saying the church here, the church body across the United States of America, where we've been apathetic. We've ignored the father. We've ignored single moms in many circumstances, many situations. We've ignored the issue of grandparents raising grandkids. We've ignored foster families. We kind of let the government really just control a lot of this stuff. And in a large part of it, we just have kind of just kind of put a band-aid on it instead of really trying to help these families. We're here tonight really just to, to address it, to talk about it, because it's an issue that needs to be addressed. We as Christians can no longer ignore this issue. You know, we've been like the priest and the Levite in verse 31 and 32, where it says, And by chance there came down a certain priest that way. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. We've seen this issue. We've, we've walked past this issue, and we said, Not enough time. Like the priest and the Levite, verse 32, and likewise a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. The Levite even came and looked at this guy. Imagine somebody out by the road, because out by the road here, you came into church tonight, they're laying on the side of the road, they're robbed, they're wounded, they're abandoned, they're left to die on the side of the road, and you walked right by them. You drove in, you said, oh, there's somebody almost dead there, it's, they've been robbed. You can tell something's wrong. They're not just laying there for the fun of it, they're, they're there because somebody came and robbed them. You just walked right by and you walked into the church. You'd be like the priest or the Levite. I don't have time for that. I, I would like to think that everybody in here would say, I'm at least going to call 911. I'm at least going to do something for that person. And that's what we see happen here. These guys said, I don't have time for that. I don't care about that. But it's so exciting to see that the, the Samaritan man, he said, no, he's not, not going to be apathetic. I'm going to care about this issue. I'm going to care about these people that are in front of me right now. He says in verse 33, but a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion on him. The Samaritan man was willing to reject that. He was willing to, to say, I'm not going to be like the other people that have gone before me. I'm going to change it right now. I'm going to be different on this issue right now. He saw this guy in verse 30. It tells us that he was, he was, um, fell among thieves. He was stripped of, of his raiment. He was wounded. They was wounded and he was, they departed and they left him there to die. He was half dead. It says. He needed some hope. And we see with fatherlessness. And again, before I share, I'm going to share some statistics with you. And before I do, understand that these are just statistics. This is just what's going on in our country with individuals that are growing up without their father that don't have Jesus Christ in their life. That they don't have the be able to experience, the ability to experience God as their heavenly father. They don't have the ability to, to overcome it through a local church or through a Christian single mom or Christian grandparents or Christian foster parents or Christian dad 
and they don't have the ability to overcome it. And, and, and they have people that are just, the, the, the odds are just stacked against them. First thing is, as you see in the statistics here, the first thing's crime. 85% of youth in prisons grew up in fatherless homes. Now, some of the youth detention centers, I was in a youth detention center in Augusta, Georgia. It was 95% of the youth in that detention center came from a fatherless home. I heard recently it's, it's increased to 89% of the youth in the detention centers come from fatherless homes. It's it's an issue that is uh, affecting all of us. I was talking to, to you back there. What's your name again? Brian, you, you, you saw this firsthand when you worked in these detention centers. And it's it's affecting these kids don't know who their dad is. And I'm not excusing their behavior. I'm excusing what they've done to get there. But they've made a lot of choices because they didn't have a dad to teach them how to be a respectable person in society. They didn't have a dad to teach them how to respect people. They didn't have a dad to teach them why they shouldn't do things wrong. They didn't have a dad to, to help them in their life. They didn't have a good family to allow them to be a person that was involved in a family where they felt needed and felt wanted. So they go after a group of friends or as we call it, sometimes it's just a group of friends, sometimes it's a gang and they get involved in these groups and then they end up in the youth detention center because of choices they made. 80% of rapists motivated with anger issues come from fatherless homes. Of the 27 deadliest mass shootings, 26 of them are fatherless. I was just speaking in Santa Clarita this morning and there was a shooting there in, in November of this past year. You probably heard about it. For a young boy, his dad passed away about two years before this event happened or three years before happened his dad died and he was even involved in boy scouts and different things but he didn't have a he obviously didn't have a, it doesn't seem like he had a christian mentor come into his life to help him and encourage him he ended up going to his school in santa clarita real close to the church there and shooting i think it was about 12 students the exact number he shot he shot and killed i think at least two and, and other people were hurt and he also shot himself and eventually passed away in the hospital these things are happening because they don't have a christian person to come into their life to encourage them help them. And family issues even before his dad passed away his dad was, was a custody battle his dad was i think even thrown into prison and had a heart attack in prison so this boy was struggling but he needed somebody to come alongside him and love him and encourage him he needed some hope you see other issues with, with this were teen pregnancy you know we see issues with uh you know maybe you're thinking why well, I, I hate abortion and you should. As a Christian, we should hate abortion. It's killing of an innocent child. And, and abortion is, is something that's affecting our nation. It really is. There's a study that says, or a statistic that says, 71% of teen pregnancies come from fatherless homes. Why is that? Because a girls oftentimes, girls, they struggle with, boys struggle with, let me just go back to boys. Boys struggle with a lack of confidence, a lack of, they have a feeling of inferiority because dads provide that confidence. Dads teach them how to be a man. Dads help them with that. Girls struggle with a lack of security, a lack of worth. Dads teach them that they're loved. They, they care for them and they're little little princess and they don't have that dad to do that for them they end up finding a boy that tells them hey i love you they end up in these situations in pregnancy it says there and some people try to tell me for the first several years of our ministry and they still try to say it even till today where we don't have that many families in our community, or we don't have that issue around us. There's over 30 million fatherless infants in our country. It's everywhere. They try to tell me it's a certain race, or a certain economic background, or a certain side of the train tracks. Look at this statistic, or this study here. There's a white teenage girl from an advantaged background. What it says there is five times more likely to become a teen mother if she grows up in a single mother household than if she grows up in a household with both biological parents. And because dad plays a huge role in her life. Dad, we matter. If you're in here tonight, you're a dad. I want to encourage you. I'm not trying to bash you or anything like that. I want to encourage you to step up to the plate and hit home runs as a dad it, and it's something that i'm talking to myself we all as dads need to do our best and stop being apathetic as dads we need to be the dads that god's called us to be we need to be dads that aren't just physically present but we're there we're present mentally emotionally and spiritually with our children 
we're nurturing them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. We're raising our children up. Instead of just coping and getting by, we need to spend time every day. Our children are way more important than any hobby we have, any job we have, any career we have, any goals we have. Our children are way more important than these things, and they're a calling from God. And if you have children that God's given to you in your life, that are calling, that God's placed in your life, and God's calling you to lead them and help them and guide them and get them their feet set on a rock, and if you're not doing that as a dad, then you're sinning. You're living against God. I encourage you as dads to, to live for God as a dad. Be the dad God's called you to be. And maybe you're doing that already. If you are, keep going. Be the dad your kids want you to be. Don't give up because there's going to be times where Satan's going to try to get you to stop. He's going to try to get you to not be the dad you, you should be. Be the dad. Don't be an afterthought. These are the things that's happening when dads are asleep. We have a lot of a lot of people that come to our table at different churches. We go to different events and they say, I had a dad that was physically present. He wasn't there any other way. I was basically fatherless. And we had many people that. We had we had the, the number of individuals that felt that way, or or they, they they felt like they were fatherless growing up. We'd be there are probably a hundred millions of kids that don't have dads in their lives because they're struggling through these different situations. And, and this includes even young adults. There's many young adults that have have been fatherless and they're still struggling through it. And we're wondering why are these kids, why are these millennials ending up this way? Because they don't have a dad to lead them. They have a dad in their life to guide them and teach them about being a man or a woman and how to live in society. Education studies involving over 25,000 children using national representative of data sets, children who lived with only one parent, had lower grade point averages, lower college aspirations, poor attendance records, and higher dropout rates than students who lived with both parents. Suicide. Three out of four teenage suicides occur in a household where a parent has been absent. Three out of four. Even studies involving homosexuality. There's a guy in California. He was he was actually on Oprah, a very well-known guy. And he's quoted, he actually, they, they would come to him and say, I don't want to have these feelings. I have this. I don't want to be like this anymore. They would come to him and work with him. And he's quoted as saying, I've worked with thousands of homosexuals. I've never seen one who had a loving, respectful relationship with their father. His dad wasn't there. Or sometimes there's, it has to do with abuse too and different things like that. But many times they just there's no dad there. They need that dad as part of their life. The last one I'll share with you is fatherless children are at, as, at a dramatically greater risk of drug and alcohol abuse. Notice drug and alcohol abuse. Mental illness, suicide, poor educational performance, teen pregnancy, and criminality. Notice it says mental illness in there. You see addictions, but also mental illness because many times we want to just medicate them. Sometimes they do need medication for a form balance or something like that that they're born with. Sometimes they just need a loving mentor to just teach them. God them how to how to behave so sometimes they just need a mentor to come into their life or a christian i hate to use the word mentor i really do because it, it sounds in our culture and our, our country it sounds complicated i go get involved in mentoring it's hard no it's finding that boy or girl in your neighborhood or in your church or in your that niece or nephew that growing up without a dad or a mom and just working with them mentoring is not a complicated thing. it does not have to be a program it needs to be a thing where you just find the kids in your life and just try to love them and, and reach out to them and encourage them but you first have to reject that say, no, I'm not going to be apathetic about these issues. Now, maybe you're thinking to yourself, well, Sean, we had a good day so far. No, we were happy this morning. We had a good day. Now I came here tonight, and I'm stressed and depressed. Thanks a lot. Maybe that's what you're thinking now. Maybe you're thinking, well, I saw these statistics now, and, and I, I now I'm I, great. I'm going to go home and stress eat. No, I'm just kidding. Don't do that. Okay, that's not why I'm here. It's to make you stressed and depressed. I'm here to encourage you, let you know that there's hope in Jesus. There's hope for these children through Jesus Christ. But we need Christians to stand up and say, I'm going to reject apathy. But the second thing is, the next thing is you got to remit compassion. We see the Samaritan man, verse 33. It says, but a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion on him. He let compassion flow through his life out to this individual. How many of you in here would love to have compassion in your life? Come on, everybody's hands should be raised. We all want compassion, okay? Let me give you an example. If you step on a Lego, okay? You ever do that? Did you ever step on a Lego before? It's a horrible feeling. I'm thinking with Legos, we should use them even in interrogation, right? You with me? 
Oh, you're not going to tell me. Okay, walk on the, take your socks off. Walk on this right now. Walk on it. You know what I mean? They will tell us the answers. Because walking on a leg, I don't know why they make them so sharp, right? You round the corners a little bit? Come on. Saving dads feet all over America. Anyways, but, it, you know, Legos hurt when you walk on them. And when you walk on one, what happens at your house? I don't know about your house, but in my house, if I walk on a Lego, you know what my family does? They laugh at it. They think it's hilarious. They think it's funny. And I'm like, you know what? Can you just have some compassion for me? I just had one of the hardest injuries of my life, okay? That Lego can bring some tra- tragic memories, okay? It's hard. It hurts. But I want compassion on me whenever I get hurt or I get sick. I'm one of the biggest. I don't know, who, what husbands in here are the babies when you get sick? Be honest with you. Women, point your husband out. Come on, be honest. Come on. Come on, be honest with me. I don't know. I'm a baby when I'm sick. I see you back there, buddy. I, I'm a baby when I'm sick. My And, and I, I'm like, honey, baby me. And she's like, suck it up, buttercup. I'm just kidding. But I just, you know, I, I want, no, she's, she's compassionate sometimes. But she, she, no, she's not. She's really, she's shaking her head. She's not. She's not. She's, uh, sometimes, if it's really bad. But if I'm, you know, if I'm sick, she's just like, I got three kids to deal with. Okay, I'm not, I just, you know, it's just one of them, I'm just kidding. But she knows she's an awesome wife. But we, I want compassion if I'm sick. I want compassion if things happen to me, but sometimes we don't get that. But you know what the ultimate picture of compassion is? It's Jesus Christ. We as humans sometimes get it wrong, but Jesus doesn't get it wrong at all. The Bible says, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. That's compassion right there. He said, you know what? This is going to be hard. It's going to be a challenge. But I have to do this because I love these people, right? Speculate on what the joy was that he saw. The, for the joy that was set before me endured the cross. What was that? It was maybe it's not going to hell when we die. Maybe maybe us getting to have hope on this earth while we're here on this earth. Maybe a, sharing his father with those that don't have an earthly father. Allowing their, their his father to be their father. Yeah, I speculate on that. But the Bible says for the joy that was set before me. What all was that? John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Who's heard that? verse before probably everybody okay we've heard that verse before god loved the world so much that he sent his only son so that he could have many sons and daughters right i want a big family but how are they going to hear if we don't go and tell them if you're here tonight i want to ask you if you if you've never trusted in jesus as your savior before what are you waiting for maybe you're thinking to yourself well i don't know what that means i never trusted in jesus i don't i don't even know what that what you're talking about here and and i know this is a sunday night crowd a lot of times that's the ones that are faithful to the church but there could be somebody in here tonight that you've never made the decision to follow jesus with your life the most important decision you can ever make in life i realize you're a sinner okay have you ever done anything wrong you've lied you've stolen you've cheated you've done something wrong before okay that's sin the bible says for the wages of sin is death and death is hell for all eternity. You've, you've, you've committed sin before, it's going to lead to hell. But it also says in the Bible, but God commandeth his love toward us. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God loved you so much that he sent Jesus to die on the cross for you and for me, right? He loved us so much. What an amazing thing. You've got to realize you're a sinner, realize your sin's going to lead you to hell. But you've got to believe that Jesus died on the cross and he rose again. You've got to confess your sins to God, right? To confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The Bible says, call upon Jesus to save. I had a guy tell me one time at a church I was volunteering at. I came in to help volunteer with the youth group. And, and this is several years ago, probably around 10 years ago now or nine years ago. And I, I was starting to volunteer in the youth group. And I asked this guy, I said, hey, would you share your testimony with the teenagers? And I did it right in front of the teenagers. I didn't realize that the answer I was going to get. And he says, he looks at me, he looks at the teenagers, looks at my, looks around the room, and he says, I just have always gone to church. That's not what the Bible says and how, how, what it means to be saved. These church walls cannot save you, okay? Coming to church and sitting down in a seat does not save you. It's by putting your faith in Jesus Christ. If you've never made that decision before, I want to ask you, will you make it tonight? Will you put your faith in Jesus Christ tonight? Well, it says again, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Call upon Jesus to save.
baby tonight. Now, if you have done that, how's it going? Is it still going good? Are you still excited about your faith? Because we can get stale in our Christianity, can't we? Honestly, we can get stagnant in our faith. Who in here has ever heard of Spider-Man before? Like, this guy's talking about Spider-Man? Yes, I am. Who's heard of Spider-Man? Raise your hand. Come on, be honest with me. We're Americans. We've heard of Spider-Man, haven't we? Okay? Spider-Man got bit by what? Okay, three, couple kids said, okay, Spider-Man got bit by what? Okay, let's try this again, adults. Come on. Come on, don't act like you've never heard of Spider-Man before. Okay, Spider-Man got bit by what? There we go. Spider-Man got bit by a spider. Contrary to some beliefs, he's able to shoot what? Webs. Okay, my daughter and a couple of children up here. Okay, he's able to shoot what? Webs. Okay, so picture this. Spider-Man gets a spider. He's able to shoot webs. He goes home. He's like, this is great. I can do these things now. Sure, it hurt to get bit by the spider. Now I can go home. He goes home, sits in his living room. He's like, you know what? I'm kind of, I want to watch a Batman movie. So he's sitting there. He's watching a Batman movie. He's just relaxing in his living room. And he's, he's like, I'm thirsty. I'm so thirsty right now. And so he, he shoots a web into the kitchen, opens up the refrigerator, shoots another web, pulls out a soda. He's just sitting there drinking a soda, just relaxing, having a good time. Just, this is great. He's thinking to himself, he's like, I'd never have to stand up again the rest of my life. This is awesome. Spider-Man now. I can do all kinds of things for myself. He goes out to his backyard. He's like, I've never been able to dunk a back basketball before. I'm going to dunk a basketball tonight, okay? He's excited about it. He shoots a whale to the backboard, pulls himself up. He dunks the ball. What a horrible Spider-Man movie that would be. Are you with me? Honestly. Spider-Man's supposed to be out fighting crime, right? He's supposed to be out saving people and helping people, but instead he's keeping it to himself. And I know it's a cheesy and but it's the same thing with us as Christians because we're filled with this power from God when we trust in Jesus as our Savior. But oftentimes we keep it to ourselves as a ticket out of hell and we say, good, I don't have to go to hell when I die. Instead of using it as an op- opportunity to be able to help people that are around us through the power of God. I want to encourage you to let the, the compassion of God flow through your life out to this hurting world. There's people around you that need to hear the hope of Jesus. Are you willing to go and help them? You know, it says... In the Bible, it talks about this group of individuals called the fatherless. There's many different verses that talk about the fatherless, and they're struggling through many different things. Exodus 22:22 says, "He should not afflict any widow or fatherless child." Job 29:12 says, "Because I delivered the poor that cried, and the fatherless, and him that had none to help him." I love Psalm 68:5. It says, "A father of the fatherless and a judge of the widows is God." In his holy habitation. I love that verse because it tells me that in God's holy habitation, he's caring for the fathers. And he's taking and prote- protecting the widows. He loves them and cares for them. Psalm 146, 9 is a great verse as well. It says, the Lord preserveth the strangers, he relieveth the fatherless. Okay, how, how can fatherless hear the relief from God or experience the relief if we as Christians don't do our job to go out and share the love of God with them? How are they going to know that they can have a heavenly father if we don't share the love of God with them? I want to encourage you, whoever's around you in your circle of influence, you have a job to do as a Christian, to spread the gospel to the people that God has strategically placed in your circle of influence. Are you willing to do that? That's spreading compassion out to this world. It's helping these people who are dealing with what they're facing around us. Let's skip down to James 1.27. It says, Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is to visit the fatherless and widows in their and to keep himself unspotted from the world. Who's ever heard that verse before? Raise your hand if you heard that verse. Okay, this, this right here is the number one answer to the number one social issue in our country. This right here, if, if we as Christians would practice what this verse says, we can do. We can handle and work through the number one social issue in our country. Pure religion. Pure religion is saying, saying this is a pure religious practice. It says an undefiled. You're not doing it for the wrong reasons, what undefiled is talking about there. And you're doing it in front of God and the Father. He, he, he even adds and the Father in there. Okay, it's a pure religious practice for you and me and not just for your pastor not just for the pastors here not just for the people on staff 
Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father. This is for Christians, for all of us to be practicing. Before God, doing this in front of the Father, says to visit. Visit means to look upon in order to help or to benefit. This is not a one-time thing. Okay? To visit the fatherless. The fatherless there is talking about children who who's lacking a guide. Could be a mom, lacking a mom or a dad or both. Could be orphan and foster care kids, motherless children, fatherless children. You look it up, it's, it's a child lacking one of their guides in their life. So to visit the fatherless and widows. Widows there, if you look it up, it's talking about women who've lost a husband due to death or abandonment. Oftentimes single mom, right? My mom often felt like a black sheep in our church when we were growing up because she was a single mom. She was kind of labeled as a single mom. I want to encourage you, don't make single moms feel like that. Show them love and care for them and help them. So it's a pure religious practice for you and for me to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction to keep themselves unspotted from the world. This right here is the answer to our number one problem in our country. We need to reach these kids and we as Christians, and I'm not talking about just your pastors or just the people in and staff here, I'm talking about the church as a whole across the United States of America. We need to practice pure religion. And put this above our traditions. Put this above the things that we think are, are high and, and, and that we have in our Christian faith and say, I'm going to practice pure religion. I'm going to get involved in these things. I'm reaching these kids. Will you reject apathy, compassion flow through you to reach out to these children? This right here is, is true compassion. You know, but you can't stop there. You can't just say, okay, I'm going to I'm not going to be apathetic anymore, okay? I'm going to have compassion, okay? Because you can't just stop there because these kids really matter. We're not talking about, did you ever see that dog commercial on TV before? A dog commercial where they make you want to, like, cry or give money. You know what I mean? Did you ever see that commercial? The lady's singing in the eyes of an angel. Did you ever see that? Did you ever see that commercial? Did you ever see that commercial? It makes you sad, right? And then you're like, you turn the channel because you're like, I'm not going to give money. Maybe you have given money. I don't know. Maybe you come, but you turn the channel real quick because you're like, I don't want to see these hurting dogs. You know, and, and we should take care. We should not hurt dogs, okay? But but honestly, we're not talking about dogs today. We're talking about human beings. We're talking about kids that need some hope. We're talking about single moms and fatherless individuals and grandparents raising grandkids and open foster care families. They need some hope. They need some encouragement from us as Christians. We can't just pass it by or turn the channel. We can't just stop and say, oh, I feel bad for these kids. Oh, these poor little fatherless kids. And that's oftentimes what we do as Christians. We'll say, oh, that's too bad. Oh, let me know if you need anything. You know, and we don't really mean it. You know, have you ever done that? Let me know if you need anything. Thinking to yourself, I hope they don't need anything. You know what I mean? You've ever done that? Come on, be honest with me. We've done that before, and we're thinking the but we can't stop with just saying, oh, I have compassion for them. Imagine if this passage here in verse 33 said, but a certain Samaritan as he journeyed came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. And then it just ended there. We'd be like, well, what did he do? It'd be like one of those movies you watch. You watch a movie where it just ends. They're in a battle scene, and all of a sudden the credits roll, and you're like, what? Nobody won. Are you serious right now? I watched this movie for two hours of my life, and nobody's going to win this thing? Or it's, a, it's one of those movies, it's, a, it's one of those love stories, right, where they're falling in love, the whole movie, and at the end, they don't even fall in love. It's like, are you serious right now? They didn't even get married? Are you kidding me? Drives you, who hates movies like that? Be honest with me. You watch the movie for 10 minutes, watch the credits roll, and there's no extra scene? Are you serious? Where's the extra scene at? Come on. Every time you watch the replay of that movie, you're thinking, well, there's going to be there's going to be a different ending. No, it's the same ending every time. OK, it's just a movie. People calm down. OK, just relax. Just a movie. Complete opposite from every Hallmark movie ever made. You know what I mean? Are you with me? Hallmark movies. Hallmark movies. You know what I mean? I feel the same way. I'm with you. Hallmark movies. A guy or a girl moves to a small town, right? You go back to a small town. They have that big city boyfriend or girlfriend. But they find that country boy or that country girl, don't they? Are you with me? Every single one. Then they have to save a cafe or save a factory. By the end of the movie, they dump that big city boyfriend or girlfriend. They fall in love with that country boy or country girl, and they save that cafe or save that factory. The end. Every Hallmark movie ever made. I hate Hallmark movies. They drive me nuts. Drive me crazy. My wife likes them. Who likes them in here? Raise your hand. 
Be honest with me. I see, I see those reluctant hands. They're like, ah, I'm going to say I do. You know, it's, it's okay. It's okay to like a homework. I, I can't stand it. I'm not talking about homework movies. They're predictable. They're all predictable. They're all the same. They're all the same actors and actresses. We're just going to go ahead and agree on that. They're all the same. You can predict what's going to happen in five seconds, okay? You know the whole movie. We I mean, might as well just turn the channel. That's what I, my opinion on it. There's something else better out there. I'm just kidding. But they're predictable. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the unpredictable. It just ends. And they frustrate us because we don't know the ending. We're like, why did this movie just end? That would be the same thing if you came in here tonight and you said, oh, okay, when now I know why I shouldn't be apathetic about fatherlessness. Okay, now I know why I should have compassion. Now I know what's going on in our country. Okay, what's for supper? Because you let the movie just end. I encourage you, don't be like one of those movies. Make something, make a great story. So now you can take this, and the third thing is react with a plan. Do something. God has led you probably to think about somebody or something you can do about this issue of fatherlessness. And obviously I'm passionate about this issue because it affected me personally, but it's, it's affecting kids all over this nation. And they need some hope, and we as Christians need to stand up and I want to encourage you to react to the plan. Whoever God's placed on your heart, reach out to them. Reject apathy and tell, tell the devil to be quiet because he's probably telling you right now. He's probably lying to you and saying you don't have time. You're too young. You're too old. You don't have enough money. You don't have enough resources. You're, you're, somebody else will handle it. The devil's going to probably lie to you about this because he wants to grip the hearts of the fatherless across our nation. He wants to keep them. Okay, so you as a Christian, it's going to be something where he's going to try to get you to not do anything. He's going to try to get you to be apathetic. You can change that and say, I'm going to care for these kids. I'm going to make a plan. I'm going to get involved. And we see here that Jesus guided us here in the rest in verses 34 and 35. He shows us how this man, the Samaritan man, helped this guy out. Let's look and see what he did here. It says in verse 34, and went to him. That's the number one step. Okay, first step went to him. They say if you don't do anything within the first 48 hours of caring about an issue, you probably won't do anything. So between now and Tuesday night, I want to encourage you to reach out to somebody that's fatherless, a single mom, a grandparent raising their grandkids, somebody around you, reach out to them that you know, or maybe you can't think of anybody, we'll start praying about it. Make a prayer list, send them a message, text message them, you know, write them a letter, whatever you can do, start somewhere, start helping the fatherless around you. Get involved in one way or another. Next thing it says, and he bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine. He used his own resources to help him heal. And he set him on his own beast. He used his own vehicle to take him where he needed to go. And he brought him to an end. He gave him lodging. And, and it says and he took care of him. Notice he did not form a committee and take six months to try to decide what he was going to do. Okay? He decided, I'm going to get involved in this. I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to use the resources I have, and I'm going to, keep, I'm going to get, get involved, and I'm going to help this guy out. Verse 35, and on the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more. I come again, I'll repay thee. He even took care of him, and he was going to be gone. This is an amazing example from Jesus. It shows us how we can help the hurting people around us. I want to encourage you to help the hurting people that are around you by following this example. I would not be standing in front of you tonight if it wasn't for the people that stepped into my life and said, I'm going to help Sean. I'm going to reject apathy. I'm going to let compassion flow through me. I'm going to reach this kid. And I'm not a perfect person by any means. Don't ask my wife, but my wife knows. I'm not a perfect person, okay? But through God, I'm standing in front of you tonight to testify that God brought me through it. He brought me through it by using Christians to come into my life to help me through. My grandparents stepped in whenever I was about, when I was when I was 10 months old, my, when, as I said on the video, whenever my dad walked away. I lived with them from kindergarten until, I'm sorry, from second grade until I went to until college, but my grandfather passed away when I was in sixth grade. In sixth grade, it was, I lived, my mom had moved into a different house before that with my brother and sister. My brother had moved out to actually Las Vegas. He wasn't around. And it was my, my sister and I, my sister and mom lived in a different house. I was living with my grandparents and, or with my grandma at the time. My grandfather passed away. And it was a little awkward 
awkward. It was a 60 something year old lady and a 12 year old boy living in a house together, okay? A little awkward sometimes. I watched enough Young and the Restless and Bold and the Beautiful to last me a lifetime, okay? We had a good time together. Graham and I had a great time together. She, she watched Michael Jordan, the Chicago Bulls with me. We had a good time together. Graham couldn't give me what I needed as a young man. I had a youth pastor come into my life and he started mentoring me. He took me camping for the first time, took me mud in a truck for the first time, spent time with me, taught me all kinds of things. I had volunteer youth, youth direct, volunteer youth leaders in the church. People just worked at regular jobs where they helped volunteer and help with the youth in our church. Helped, had a want leaders and people like that in our church. Different teachers, different people in our, our, our Christian school that my mom got me into the Christian school. We had people that helped in many different ways. And I want to I tell you, you can get involved in one way or another. There was many people that God, God used to bring me through. And then eventually I got to this one couple in Jim and Deb. They became like my second family. But from 15 on, even till today, almost or about 20 years now, Jim and Deb have been like my second family. It's like He's been like my dad. No blood relation, no marriage relation, but just a couple that decided that we're going to invest in this kid. I started working for them at their house and it became like part of the family, became like their son, son they never had. I'm thankful for that because they taught me how to work, they taught me how to do many different things, they, they spent a ton of time with me. To this day, Jim's like, Jim's on our board for our, our ministry, um, they're like grandparents to my children, they call them Gramps and Grammy Deb, Jim's like a father-in-law to my, to my wife, they're like second parents to me because they, they took time to say, I'm going to care for this, I'm going to help them out. You could do the same thing, you could be at one stage or another, doesn't matter, but you can do something to invest in a child's life or a single mom's life or a grandparent raising their grandkids' life. I want to encourage you to do something for that. As we close, look at verse 36 and verse 37. It says, And which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him, fell among the thieves? And he said, He that showed mercy on him, then said Jesus unto him, Go and do thou likewise. You know, he tells us there to go and do thou likewise. You probably had somebody in your life at one point or another help you. They reached into your life and they helped you out. Maybe it was your parents. They raised you, did a great job. And that, that's amazing if they did. Maybe it's your grandparents helped raise you. Or if you had a, an aunt or an uncle. Or you had a friend come along your path. Or a pastor or a teacher or a coach or whatever it might be. They came into your life and they were willing to help you and guide you. I want to ask you, are you willing to pay it forward? Are you willing to help somebody else out and be like the Samaritan? And say, I'm going to help this person right now. You've got to reject apathy. you got to let, let compassion flow through you. But also, you got to react with and go and do something. Everybody, please stand with your heads bowed, with your eyes closed. I'm going to turn the service over to the pastor in just a second, but I just want to ask you a couple questions just real quick.